Hello and welcome to another episode of the North Forker Podcast. I am Michalina Dufant, and today I'm going to play a conversation that my colleague Michael V had with local musician Rob Europe. Listen in while they discuss how Rob got his start, what draws him to blues music, and hear him play some tunes right here in our podcast studio. Without any further delay, here's Michael V and Rob Europe. Rob Europe, thank you for being here on the North Forker On Podcast. Thank you, Michael V, for having me. <laughs> so let's start out, uh, talk a little bit about yourself. Where'd you grow up? Where do you currently reside on the North Fork? You don't have to give out your home address. That's fine. Really? Okay. And uh, what, how old were you when you first started playing? Um, let's see. I, I, you want oh, me to back I, that up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's see. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I first started. You know, I, you know, I'll take a stab at that. One, um, I started playing the cello. You know, in, in elementary school, fourth grade. That was my first foray in, in music. I didn't actually start playing guitar until probably thirteen or fourteen, and that was just kind of like just any random hobby that you'd have in high school and. I tended to have a bit of a natural ability at it, I guess, so I, I stuck with it. And uh, let's see, I, yeah, I, I grew up up island a little bit, Middle Island, Coram area. Okay. And uh, I had come out this way a couple times with my, my folks over the years, and we moved out here in about seventh grade, and I went to uh, Southfield High School. Okay. So I lived there, was kind of knocking back and forth between there and Brooklyn after high school, and just moved back to Greenport about two summers ago. You know, I found myself uh, driving out here just for gigs constantly, so I, I decided just to make the move and, and return back from uh, from where I was in Brooklyn. Right on. So you started with cello, and was it? Did you go from cello to guitar, or was there something in between? You know, it's funny. There was. Uh, I actually played. I played trombone very briefly. I was horrible at it. <laughs> I, all wind, wind, uh, woodwind, uh, and brass instruments. Just not my foray. Right. Sure. My forte, I should say. And uh, I also dabbled in a little piano as well, but couldn't always get the the kind of the, the muscle motion in there. You know, I'm kind of used to playing guitar. Your your hand is a little bit more constrained, and spreading it out, trying to play the piano always kind of hurt my muscles a little bit. <laughs> so, um, talking about the music that you currently do play, uh, your your uh, song list, your your track selection is pretty eclectic and diverse. I mean, it's it's probably I'd say it's the most diverse of anybody I've I've heard playing out here or pretty much anywhere. Um, you do cover a lot of contemporary or uh, more popular artists like Fleetwood Mac and Van Morrison. Mm. You even cover the Pixies, which is pretty pretty spectacular. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, but then there's a lot of you really do do you 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 have a great um, insight and uh, a deep dive into blues music, which is unbelievably fascinating for me. I love uh, I've. Love blues for as long as mm-hmm. I can remember. Um, so to hear somebody cover people like R.L. Burnside or Taj Mahal <laughs> yeah. or Ro- Robert Johnson is just amazing. Um, I got to ask, because you're a relatively young guy. I mm. mean, I've got a couple of years on you, but how did you find blues music and what draws you to it? Other than music, my my kind of always main interest has always been, you know, histo- history related. So I, I've always had a, a great uh, interest in history, and how that really started was um, pretty much just learning about the history of rock and roll, because I think just like any young kid, the first music you always listen to is some sort of form of, of rock and roll music. I think uh, maybe a little different for me, because the first albums I bought were The Who, Who's Next, and then the ACDC, For Those About to Rock, We Salute You. So <laughs> I got it. That's where I started from. And just just kind of moving backwards, learning about the history of rock and roll. That's when I got into the blues. When I first started uh, taking, you know, a couple of guitar lessons when I was younger, my teacher Ray Penny was, 
a huge, huge blues fanatic, and he kind of got me into that, and I've just kind of been hooked on it ever since. And just, again, with that, also the, the history of it is just so interesting. Yeah. Especially, like, the pre-war stuff, when you realize how poorly records were kept and everything is kind of just, like, a mixed match of of folklore and and well, where folklore, oh, sorry, where folklore meets like actual written history, there's a lot of gray area in there. So that's what I always found super interesting about uh, the history of the blues in particular. Do you have a particular favorite style of blues? Say like um, Texas, Chicago, Delta, jump, swing, um, etc. Et I would say I'm, I love I love all of it, but I, I tend to kind of migrate towards the the pre-war stuff. Especially the early Delta Blues, and when you realize that they're, you can kind of parse that even into so many different subcategories. Like there's uh, Bentonia Blues, Piedmont Blues, like Bentonia in particular. I can't say if, if, if one is, you know, if I favor one over the other, but Bentonia Blues is particularly interesting, as in it's like it kind of focuses more in minor keys, and it's just a little bit strange and so different from what anything else that's going on in that time period. Sure. So I would think if, if you were to, you know, put down one one aspect of uh, early blues that I found most interesting. I'd probably go with Bentonia blues. If you're not familiar with that, I would say uh, check out a guy like uh, Skip James. Okay. And uh, very interesting. He lived around the time of uh, like Sunhouse, Charlie Patton, but he lived fairly long life. So there's actually videos and stuff of him playing in, as an uh, older guy in, in like the 1960s. So there's some great videos you can watch. So, um, would you then consider yourself a blues musician at heart? You know, um, I know it's a label, and I know it's hard to define it, but I wouldn't give myself that amount of respect as to call myself like uh, a blues musician or a blues man. I love, so I'm a musician, and I love the blues, and I love to interpret it in my own way. Um, but I wouldn't call myself just a blues musician, okay. just out of respect, really, more than anything. Sure, and just from the fact that I, you know, I like everything, not just blues, just a little everything. That's like as we were speaking before. I always try to keep my uh, my set list as eclectic as possible. You know, and there's any number of different types of people that are going to be out and about on a on a Greenport Friday or Saturday night. So I, I always try to have something for everybody. Sure. Mm. Right on. So in addition to solo act, you also lead the Foster Europe band. Correct. Which is uh, and. You just released a six-song EP. Yeah, which is incredible. Um, Even brought a couple extra ones. For oh, the nice! Office. Oh, awesome! That's nice. <laughs> All right. Um, so, Foster Europe Band, um, especially the uh, the new EP, is more I would call it more soulful, more groove-oriented than mm. than your solo stuff. For um, sure. And it's I mean it leans heavily on it, and it I mean it's. It's as authentic as I can as anything else I've ever heard. I mean, it's truly just a great collection of songs. And, well, thank you so much. Um, and in those six songs, um, you know, you really sort of run the gamut of of themes within that soul groove. I mean, there's there's crunchy rock songs like mm -hmm. Leviathan, which is probably my favorite on there. Mm -hmm. um, and then you have uh, more soulful and introspective songs like. Um, well, before I get into that, let me let me just that's just um, due to my severe ADD. <laughs> <laughs> before I get into the actual song list on there, let me ask you: um, You've got I know you have uh, Mick Hargraves playing uh, bass guitar, and you have uh, Matt Swain on drums, right? Yeah. Um, well, the uh, well, actually I have a kind of rotating um, 
a, a, rota- a rotating cast of characters. Okay. So yeah, on this uh, on this album here, we, most of it is uh, by Matt Swain and uh, and Mick Cargraves on bass. I'd also play a little bass on some things here and there, but uh, you know everybody's into a million different things. So if you catch us on any given day, I might even have a different cast of characters. <laughs> so how did you uh, talk about the the guys in the band and tell me how you met up with them? Hmm. Um. Well, let's see. I actually recorded my first solo album with Mick Hargraves. He's got he runs a, a studio out of Manorville mm-hmm. called uh, Lantern Lantern Sound Recording Rig. Does excellent work. Everybody uh, who records out here knows of him and has worked with him. And that's where I met him. And I, as I kind of just keep kept going through a lot a lot of different bass players who couldn't do this gig or couldn't do that gig, Mick kind of fell in. Um, kind of into the routine, was able to give me a good amount of access, as well as Matt. I met him in Brooklyn when I was living down there, and we just kind of got together, and we were kind of just doing like a a solo, no, sorry, a duo blues rock type Black Keys thing, and that kind of just transformed into what we were doing now. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, Getting back to the songs, like I said, it's it's really just this great... Um, you know, you have a theme, uh, you almost have a musical theme, and then you have di- almost like different genres within that theme. <clears throat> Leviathan, like I had said, uh, really crunchy kind of rock. Um, she Don't Walk My City, also very, you know, rock oriented. Um, but then you have, uh, like I had mentioned, a soulful, more introspective song in um, <coughs> Spirit Refugee. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, that song really resonates uh, for a lot of different reasons, but first of all, I love the almost Motown feel of it. Um, <laughs> it really does have a great sort of very mellow, almost you know, real ta- real kind of Motown feel. Um, but talk a little bit about Spirit Refugee, the title, how you came about it, and where that song actually originated. Because I do feel it's one of the more standout tracks on the EP itself in that it it separates itself, and for me anyway. I mean, it completely separated itself from me from the rest of the songs on that. Well, thank you. It's kind of funny. Just uh, <laughs> my girlfriend had called it. It sounded like our, our uh, like high school prom song, <laughs> <laughs> like in the nineteen fifties high school prom song. <laughs> but uh, it's funny. The the title of Spirit Refugee and the the bridge to it too was kind of just. It had a little bit less meaning than the 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 rest of the lyrical content to the song itself. It just it was it was kind of a, a ridiculous sounding name it, <laughs> that we just kind of rolled with, but it, I guess it just the the lyrical content, and I might uh, preface this by saying, um, I always feel like such a jerk trying to explain my lyrics because half the time I just want to say, well, listen, this is what it means. I'm a uh, I'm an idiot trying to sound deep, pretty <laughs> much. Just, <laughs> but I guess it it has a lot to do with my uh, past feelings about relationships and and whatnot. And uh, just trying to make that work, I suppose. All right. Mm. Very cool. Um, since we're on the subject of the new EP, and I see I've asked you to bring your guitar, and you were nice enough to bring your guitar, would you of like to play something? Sure. Right on. All right. All right, this is... Uh, since I brought my uh, What You're Looking For EP, I'm going to play uh, What You're Looking For off the EP. It's kind of a more stripped-down uh, bluesy version of it. Mm-hmm. 
Riding the stone Said Henning what will do Well I'll wait on the water Let that gun take me back to you If I had set you on my doorstep Baby that would be a lovely sight But we're just two losses Passing in the night Mighty baby, I know what you're gonna say. Said this been fun, but I just can't live this way. If I sealed you home my doorstep, yeah, that would be a lovely sight. But we're just two losses passing in the night. If you're feeling alone, you know I have. Babe, I keep an open door But I know Yeah, I know Well, I ain't What you're looking for Said you on my doorstep, baby, that would be a lovely sight. But we're just two losses passing in the night. If you're ever feeling alone, you know I hide. Baby, I keep an open door. Yeah, but I know. Yeah, I know. I ain't what you're looking for Nice. <laughs> that sounded great. I appreciate it. Wow. We're going to start holding concerts in here, man. <laughs> this is a perfect concert spot. Yeah, right? Mm -hmm. We'll bring in a little wine from somebody local. We'll get a, <laughs> get a little tip hat out here. Yeah, man. Yeah, especially in that lobby out there. I would say this is my first time in the, the Times Review building. <laughs> But you come in, there's like this kind of cool chalkboard mural on the thing, and yeah. then a big brass eagle. Yeah, well, great vibe. Yeah, well, the the, the uh, big brass eagle is actually a, a theft deterrent sort of thing. It's actually armed and ready to go. Oh yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. There's cameras in the eyes. <laughs> Press a bob, the talents come out. So listen, tell people where they can find your music online. Okay, well, right now online, you can uh, you can find my well. If you're too cheap to buy my album, which I'm saying you should come to my gig and buy my album. Definitely but, do not be too cheap to buy that album. However, if you're a freeloader, you can always go to Spotify and uh, stream from the uh, Foster Europe band is on Spotify, uh, as well as some 
old uh, singles as well as an old album. You can find the What You're Looking For EP on Spotify, Apple Music, uh, everything else that distributes music, really. If you want to see anything else, uh, kind of more behind the scenes or just other random assortment of uh, live recordings and videos, go to our YouTube channel. So just search Foster Band on YouTube. And uh, about 100-something videos down there. We're up to 217 subscribers as, as far as I looked at today. So that's kind of our, our, our main focus right now. Speaking of your YouTube channel, there are some, uh, s uh, along with the great blues covers that you have on there, and of course, uh, Foster Yard. Um, there's some great, um, almost baby-faced Rob Europe videos from you at uh, oh. Conic Bay Winery. Yes, playing slide guitar, <laughs> just clean-shaven, short hair, mm. wearing a hat, almost unrecognizable. But the voice is exact. Is still, it's the voice. Like mm. you know it by the voice. That's kind of funny that you should say that because uh, I don't think that's on my channel itself, but. Like if you search my name on on YouTube, yeah. you get a you can get some 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 old stuff come to uh, come to light. That's pretty. As you say. It's great stuff. Mm -hmm. It really is. Um, so, let me ask you a question that probably everybody asks a musician. Okay. Um, besides the obvious, bands like Led Zeppelin and performers like Muddy Waters and Robert Johnson and and all the other people that you would associate, <clears throat> you your being your influencers and people who who drove you to play the kind of music that you play. Name someone, or tell us somebody or something that you admire that we wouldn't necessarily associate with Rob Europe, something that would take us by surprise. Oh, that's interesting. Wish I knew that question beforehand, <laughs> but uh, something other than music. Hmm. You know what, uh, can I sit on this question for a little bit? Sure. We'll, we'll skip over for now, but uh, yes, definitely come back to that. Yeah, because no, Absolutely. Man, that's <laughs> that's an interesting question. I'd love to give it a little bit more thought. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, what are some of your favorite places to play out here? Oh, um, man, that's that's also hard. I don't leave anybody out, but I will say that uh, I, I very much enjoyed where I saw you last at uh, First and South. First and South, I love that place. Yeah, <laughs> it's always a great crowd down there, so I, I always appreciate playing at uh, in First and South. Me and my girlfriend, we go there as much as we possibly can without you know, becoming alcoholics. <laughs> and <laughs> and I just love playing there. I love the people. I love the owners. Just, yeah. They're great people. It's a great spot. Mm -hmm. I, I even love, like, the events that they put on, you know, throughout the year. Yeah. It's, it's just a lot of fun. So I often play there solo. If I'm playing with my band, you know, I, I, I love Greenport Brewery. Yeah. The energy in that place is always fantastic, especially on a Saturday night. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And some of the best, I mean, we talk about it here a lot, that Greenport Brewery not only has some of the best beer out here, but has... The most amazing food. Like yeah, you wouldn't think to go to a brewery and find like that quality of food. Oh, it's fantastic. Yeah, I mean, I eat there every time I go there. And going back to the beer thing, I should say uh, I was thinking about this actually before we came because I wondered if, if something like this would come up in topic. But just the amount of excellent, not just beer, but just local products that come out of this place is just insane to me. Yeah, beer especially. You know, uh, I often find myself. It's I've, now I'm kind of jaded and, and cynical against you know places that call themselves like good brewery towns. Sure. Like me and my girlfriend uh, last winter we were up in Burlington, cool town you know, but uh, very very much known for their breweries. And as we're going around, we're on the seventh brewery. I, the whole time I'm just thinking like we have better breweries in Greenport. Yeah. Just. You know I've I've found that too, and um, I'm trying to think of where I was. I mean, uh, there's a um, a crop of 
it seems like everywhere you go, there's always a new crop of breweries opening up. It's just yeah. the, the hip thing, you know, and, and it's it's not new. I mean, it's it's been going on for a while. Um, but I would put North Fork and even South Fork, some of even our smallest breweries up against any of the the real the ones that are popping up. Uh, I had read not too long ago about a couple of breweries that had opened up in Austin, Texas. And, you know, they were touting it as just, you know, the greatest addition to already the greatest town, you know, the greatest music scene, the greatest food, the great. And now they have these great collection of breweries. And I got to tell you, not one of them even matched up to the smallest ones that we have out here. And I'm not saying all the breweries we have out here are just top notch. I mean, mm-hmm. I've, I've had things. Obviously, I'm not going to name any names, but I've had. We're not going to call that, anybody out. Yeah, here, exactly. But. That 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 I didn't feel were, you know, that fantastic. Mm-hmm. But um like I love the Shelter Island Brewery, and I think their product is amazing. And it's just this small little place out in Shelter Island. But uh, I didn't even know Shelter Island had a brewery. Exactly, I'm completely honest. Yeah, it's right across the street from uh, Black Cat Books, where I go oh. for uh, like like uh, first edition books, vintage books, and vintage vinyl. Is that new? Has that been there for a while? It's been there for a while. Yeah. Oh wow! Yeah, that, maybe five years. Four, okay, five where years? have I been? I gotta check that yeah, out. Yeah, definitely check it out. Yeah. It's, it's worth it. Um, what about your dream? place to perform any place that you've got in your oh, sights let's I'm, see i mean besides a you know the madison square garden that kind of yeah. thing <laughs> you know I'll, i will say this um i've, I've played uh, the suffolk theater on many occasions as an opening act i mean it would be great to actually do just a regular gig there maybe with a couple other local artists yeah maybe a, a john develler or a julia king or a joe alligue or you did something the, like uh, that you did the robert johnson show there right i did yes and that was with kerry carney which i and uh, john hammond guy davis that was a, that was pretty much a dream for me especially with uh, those guys are you know they're blues legend blues royalty quite frankly so that was that was great and I, i'd love to play the suffolk theater uh, in a more official sure manner i suppose well i'm gonna uh i'm gonna come back to that question in a little bit um okay because I totally here. forgot about it, so no. no I'm gonna come. I'm I'm making a mark on my notes that we're gonna hit it a little bit later. Mm. Um, but I do want to uh, change gears for a second, and I want to talk about your great grandfather, if you don't mind. Use. All right. <clears throat> so, let's see how to how to best get into this for the people listening that might not know this. Your grand, your great grandfather, mm. James Reese Europe. Okay. Um, was known for many things he had an illustrious military career um i'm gonna if you don't mind i'm gonna read off my notes so i don't mess no worries this up. go right I don't, ahead i don't want to mess any of this up because uh the more i personally delved into it the more i just i was i had known some of it i didn't know all of it and i'm sure i still don't know all of it but what i what i did read and what i did come across was absolutely astounding um so let me see if I can get this right. And if at any point I say something that is factually incorrect, I'll walk just, right out of here. Exactly. Grab your tar and just say it. <laughs> Amateurs and walk. Ugh. Exactly. So, all right. James Reese Europe, trailblazer and an icon mm. in terms of his illustrious military service and in paving the way for African American musicians. Um, first, he was assigned to the French Army and fought in World War I as a lieutenant for the 369th Infantry Regiment, better known as the Harlem Hellfighters, right? So far, so good. Yes. Harlem Hellfighters was known for being one of the first African-American regiments to serve in the American Expeditionary Forces, the AEF, during World War I. Before it was formed, any African-American who wanted to fight in the war had to enlist in the French or Canadian armies. That I did not know. I had didn't know that was true. You're looking at me like it's not true. Well... (laughs) 
No, I mean it is kind of true. What we're saying, like uh, in in the beginning, they're they were kind of almost like leased out, right? As that, yeah. So I guess I mean technically they were part of the arm the, the U.S. armed forces, but they were not put under uh, American command, but kind of leased out to the French, as you as you said. Um, yeah, it, very interesting. He was also became the the band leader of the 369th Harlem Hellfighters band. Right, and I want to cover that because. Not only did he become well, so as I understand it, the um, most of most, if not all, of the African African American soldiers in World War One were accompanied by a band. There was usually a band in this battalion or in this formation, mm-hmm. and your great grandfather led that band um, throughout France during World War One. And while he was there, and this is the part that I found absolutely astounding, not only was he the director of the military band, and the band performed all over France for both military and civilian audiences, he's credited, that band is credited with bringing Annie Foll to France, which is the French version of the Roaring Twenties, the the Golden Age, an, an entire movement. What's it called, Annie Full? It's called. It, it has. It has a, f- a couple of names. Interesting. I've never actually heard that term before. It's. It's known as Ragtimitis, I believe. Ragtimitis. I okay. know I'm butchering that name. <laughs> the French version is Annie Full, um, and if you look at it spelled out, it looks like it's Annie's Folly, but it, I, I believe the French pronunciation is Annie Full. And what it essentially is is the French version of the Roaring Twenties, that gilded age, that you know, that golden age of. Um, prosperity and jazz and music and culture and lifestyle. Um, so it's not like he just had a band and it's not like he just had a following, but a f- specific performance, I believe, of Memphis Blue in France ushered in an entire movement that lasted over a decade. That's interesting because I've never actually thought of it that way. And then that that kind of, that really alters my way of looking at it myself. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, It really, it's... And there's the, um, I don't know how far this had gotten published, but there's the memoirs of Jim Europe, which was written by a vaudevillian performer and his bandmate, uh, Noble Lee Sissel. Mm. Um, And I know that there are, um, again, I don't know how widely it was published, but there were, uh, there are versions of it that you can find online, and I was reading through it, and you know, the, it's it almost exists in manuscript form, and it's this incredible firsthand documentation of, you know, of Jim Europe, uh, of life in a life know, in, in this band and and what happened, mm. um, and just uh, it's really it's incredible to read through this. I mean, there, there's so much history there. I kept turning pages and finding new things that you know, like oh my god, what else is in here? <laughs> That's interesting because I'm not, not sure if we're referring to the same book, but uh, I, I have read his autobiography, uh, A Life in Ragtime, and I remember when uh, when that was first written, we got an autographed copy of it. Um, unfortunately, I, I, the the name of the author is is absent in my mind at the moment, but uh, yeah, just the the backstory. I mean, it, it delved into the backstory even before him, like it, it went over my great grand, no, my great great grandparents, and that uh, like he was his father had been born a slave. And when he died, he was going. To, he was going to law school, and <laughs> and then just how how my great grandfather's sister 
He's a classically trained um, violinist and pianist. And he was doing a lot of like uh, theater stuff. And very, very much in the beginning, pretty much primarily the European style of, of early kind of music. And it wasn't until, you know, shortly before World War I that it even started to kind of get into the ragtime stuff. So that, that was something I didn't, you know, realize either until I read the book. Yeah, and speaking of, uh, you know, ragtime type of music, and this is, again, this is all part of, of how amazing his life was. And it was a short life. By all inten- by by today's standards, it was a, it was a relatively short life. Yeah. But so when he came back to New York, he formed the Clef Club. And I'll just again, I'll briefly touch on this. And if I'm if anything's incorrect, fill me in. Um, <clears throat> don't be afraid to throw something at me. <laughs> all right. So the Clef Club was a society for African American musicians in the music industry. And the Clef Club made history when it played a concert at Carnegie Hall to benefit Colored Music Settlement School in New York City. Mm. The Colored Music Settlement School in New York City was a school that was established to provide music education for African-American children's children who were generally excluded from other music schools. Now, like I said, they were the first band to play jazz or a proto-form of jazz at Carnegie Hall. Now that's significant because one of the biggest concerts that ever happened at Carnegie Hall, even to this date, was Benny Goodman's concert in 1938. So that pr- his playing there preceded Benny Goodman by almost three decades, by almost <laughs> 30 years. Mm. He played Carnegie Hall before that performance ever took place. I don't know if you read in this in uh, in your notes, but there was an interesting kind of uh, story or anecdote about that one particular performance that uh, I'm not sure if it's kind of just rumor or if it's, you know, confirmed or whatnot, but that uh, pretty much they all played all the music from memory simply due to the fact that uh, it wouldn't be accepted, I guess, by the uh, the faint condition of the audience that uh, the black musicians would be have been able to read music. Really? So that they played everything from memory due to that fact. Like I said, that's uh, that's a story I always heard about it, but I'm not sure if that's just rumor or if that's actually true. <laughs> it's, it sounds like a great story. I mean, yeah. I can absolutely see it being true, I mean, given the time and the circumstances. Um, <clears throat> he was also known for his bold personality and unwillingness to conform to musical conventions, mm. and that was at a time when that was literally unheard of for African Americans. In February of 1919, he said, and this is a direct quote, and I love this quote, we have our own racial feeling, and if we try to copy whites, we'll make bad copies. We won France by playing music, which was ours, and not a pale imitation of others. And if we are developing in America, we must develop along our own lines. Now, that was 1919. 27 27 years before the birth of the civil rights movement. And owning to that, and I I won't get into the the complete timeline because I really did, I was really just enthralled with this. But, excuse me, you can almost draw a direct line from your great-grandfather's accomplishments and what he was, you know, what he was able to do in the span of time that he was able to do it in the time frame that he did it. You can draw a direct line 
between that and the creation of the Negro History Week in 1926, which was later expanded on to Black History Month in 1976. So in a way, there is if you were to draw this out on a timeline, what he said and did is directly responsible for what people are still doing today, to what they're still able to do today. And that's astounding to me. That's it is It is amazing. And uh, just like going back to that, that one quote, it kind of epitomizes the whole the journey that you realize that he went through. Like when I said, when he started off, he was very much um, playing music in the European tradition. And to go to the point where he, I obviously realized within himself that he wanted to do, they needed to do some sort of music that was culturally theirs. And that at some point he, he figured that, uh, even going back to the blues thing, because now this is a little bit messy thought, but the first, I think, recording of a song that had blues in the title was either uh, Memphis Blues. I think it might have been Memphis Blues. So that same blues was going on I mean, many years before that in the South, but undocumented. Like what was going on in, in like New York City, or obviously where my grandfather was more, more prominent, there was more written record of. Right. So, and then that's kind of like where the two spots met when he was doing pretty much purely European style music until bringing up uh, what was actually already going on in the South, having the, the blues and that kind of met and that formed the proto jazz we were talking about of ragtime. So I was, that's, that's very interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could uh, describe it a little more gracefully, but no, no, listen, yeah. that was fine. Um, listen, I'm, I, I'm still, I mean, even after you leave, I'm, I'm still going to dive into this just mm -hmm. because it really is just a fascinating subject. And the more, like I said, the more I was reading up on it, um, and the more I got involved into it, um, you just see how his contributions and his unwillingness to conform really created a ripple effect. Um, you know, there were other people, there were obviously other people who shared similar values, but they didn't have the audiences, that they weren't reaching those audiences. And, you know, he was doing this basically his way from the beginning. I mean, mm -hmm. it didn't, I, I you know, it, it was very rare where I would come across something where, um, where he... he Changed it up or mixed it up for wider appeal. In fact, uh, I can't. Re I should have written this down, but there is a famous dance couple that hired him specifically because he was able to play the music that they needed for their act, and then they traveled everywhere together. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's and again, I, I should have written it down. Um, it seemed somewhat less significant to me than the actual accomplishments, but again, just an just an amazing statement on on what he was doing and what he was playing and how he was doing it. Um, and to that end, his achievements are still being celebrated today. So I'm gonna. I feel like I've been talking this entire time. So let me have you explain the 369th experience. Tell us what that is. The 369th experience. It's funny. Um, actually went on the Steve Harvey show a couple, actually at, at this point it was last year, but uh, just to promote this. And uh, it was a part, well, it was pretty much an attempt. They're bringing, sorry. That's right. They brought together a bunch of um, musicians from all black schools to put together the, uh, pretty much like a replica band, 369th uh, Harlem Hellfighters band. And they're kind of touring around the country playing all the old music 
and um, wearing the uniforms. I mean, it was, it was really cool, like playing the instruments, wearing the uniform, just getting the whole experience of it. Almost like uh, you might go down to Patchog and watch a, a, a Journey cover band nowadays. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to stop you right there. Uh, my, uh, Best way to describe it. Obviously. Yeah, I, this, I feel that they are somewhat more culturally significant than Journey. Yeah. Apologies to Journey fans <laughs> out there. I, I know Steve Perry and whatever the current lineup is uh, has its fans. Mm. Uh, I'm not really one of them, but it's fine. <laughs> uh, yeah, but uh, uh, again, that um, and I urge everyone to check out their website. Uh, that's 369th Experience. You can just Google that. Or I believe the website itself is 369experience.com. Mm. Uh, but look into it. I mean, this and they do perform. Uh, you know, the, the parades and 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 just the performance itself is incredible. There's a there's a lot of videos up there to look into. Have you ever performed performed with them? No, the, I've acted as their spokesperson on a couple of occasions, but I've never uh, performed with them. I don't. Even, I don't think they even have a guitar player in the band. Quite frankly, is that something you'd actually like to do, or do you appreciate it from? Can you can you sit and appreciate it from a, from like afar? Yeah, you know, I don't have to. I don't have to perform and everything. I, <laughs> I, you know, I I am also a fan of music, so sometimes I like to sit back myself and just listen to somebody else listen to something because this is really i mean it's it's just a it's a really cool thing that had you know a lot of work was has been put into so i would rather sit there and, and watch and listen to it than than be a part of it myself what was your last concert that you just sat and listened my last concert uh let's see actually i i just saw gene casey at uh, green park brewery <laughs> last friday last weekend it was a great show. I love Gene. He's, he's <laughs> yeah, Gene's great. I had him in here a while ago. He's yeah, I've known him for a long time. Great, amazing performer, and always uh, surrounding himself with great musicians. Mm -hmm. um, uh, I can't honestly say I've ever seen a you know a bad Gene Casey show. No. Um, all right, so let's get into it one more time. Do you want to okay. perform one more time? You got it. All right. All right. This one's called It Ain't the Same. Baby, you can comfort me. That forget you just let me be. There I need someone. And I appreciate all that you have done. And ain't a sin, I acknowledge you, please. And ain't a sin that you wanted me. That ain't the thing, keep me up at night. Honey, it's quite a shame. Is it your love? It just ain't the same. Honey, it's quite a shame. Yet your love, it just ain't the same Baby, you treated me Like the good man that I can never be Honey, you got that smile Give me a warm when I've been cold for a while And did not mean to drag you through 
Well, I've been hurting now, I'm put it on you. I want you to know, darling, I haven't used to. Honey, it's quite a shame. Is that your love? It just ain't the same. Honey, it's quite a shame. Is that your love? It just ain't the same. But I'm picked up and run Give my love to all the welcome ones Well, you can feel complete Till I get back on my feet They say you love me and I feel so bad Keep on thinking that there's something there But no, this was just a brief affair Honey, it's quite a shame I said your love, it just ain't the same Honey, it's quite a shame I said your love, it just ain't the same There's no one to blame, babe said your love, it just ain't the same Thank you. Very, very nice. Yeah. All right. So tell us where you're playing. Um, I'll be at uh, Andy's next Friday. Let me just double check that. I'm giving the right date. But uh, yeah, Andy's Greenport. I'll be there with my band next Friday. That is uh, February 28th. Any solo gigs coming up? Probably. Let's sorry, see. Sorry to put you on the spot. Oh, no worries. That's why I brought my... Uh, <laughs> you know what? I'll be solo at uh, March 5th. That's uh, not this Thursday, but the next Thursday at uh, Bricks and Rye. Oh, cool. Mm-hmm. Love Bricks and Rye. Yeah, me too. Bricks Great and Rye, drinks there. Uh, Bricks and Rye and Evan specifically have uh, contributed to my alcohol consumption. Oh, for sure. Immensely. I have to say, I've been in a lot of places that make a, a, a disappointing cocktail. Not a bad cocktail, but a disappointing cocktail. Never at Bricks and Rye. Everything I've ever had there has, has just been delicious. Yeah. Blow my mind. And and I have I think I might have, I think I said this on another podcast, but Bricks and Rye is the only place that um, I have ever been able to get an authentic Mai Tai on Long Island. And I just, there's a very specific recipe that goes to an authentic, well, mm. some people will argue that, but anyway. You know, what's uh, in a Mai Tai, actually? Because I don't, I, don't, I don't think I've I drank one of those. I feel like I'm not ready to give that out because... <laughs> it's a secret. I, well, I'm, the truth is I'm working, on a, uh, I'm working on a side project called The Wrong Mai Tai. And it's oh, just a collection okay. of horrible Mai Tai. So We've got to save that for the... Yeah. yeah. I want to make that into like a coffee right. table book. Just The Wrong Mai Tai. So if you get a Mai Tai and it's Can't bright, give away bright orange or bright yellow, it's The Wrong Mai Tai. Uh-oh. All right. So last time, Rob Europe, name someone you admire... For whatever reason that you wouldn't necessarily I'm, associate with Rob. I'm going to put this into the collective, and uh, since this is the North Forker, and we're talking about all things North Fork, I'm going to go ahead and talk collectively about the community here and how not necessarily even involved in music, but everyone has been extremely helpful, and everyone out here is uh, open-hearted. And uh, I could, there's the only reason I could do what I do is because of the people that have helped me get to where I am and people who come to my shows and people who uh, support my music. So I'm going to do the cop-out there and say that my hero is you, the listener. (laughs) That's an awesome answer. Mm. That is a great, great answer. I love it. All right, man, I want to thank you very much for coming in here and doing this. Uh, Thank you, Michael, for having me. This was 
fantastic. And uh, yeah, man, thanks a lot. And you'll definitely be seeing me around the show. All right, appreciate it. Right on. <laughs>